This is an American nurse who got out of Gaza and des uh, who describes the desperation she saw. Emily Callie Callahan is a nurse, activity manager for Doctors Without Borders, uh, MSF. She was evacuated last Wednesday and arrived back in the U.S. just over the weekend. First of all, how does it feel to be out? A lot of people keep asking me that, um, and I really don't have a good answer. Um, I obviously have a sense of relief that I'm home and I'm with my family and feel safe for the first time in 26 days, and I'm having a really hard time finding any joy in any of it um, because me being safe is the result of having to leave people behind. People watching this have seen images from Gaza. They've seen the hospital images. They've seen the horror of children dead day after day after day after day. It's very important. It's very important to have a well-spoken, blonde, white American to speak on behalf of Palestinians, okay? Why? Because you already know what the broad majority of Americans feel about Palestinians. You have a brown man on there they're gonna go nope nope that's not i can't understand it i can't put this in a frame of reference that's appropriate i just i can't i can't trust this person it sucks it sucks but it's the truth it's also one of the other reasons as to why i use a lot of jewish israeli scholars as well some of which are obviously some of the best scholars in the game for for uh, uh an adequate retelling of israeli history but the other reason is because there's no other way to contextualize this for those who are not willing to hear a a brown person's perspective. It is also one of my, one of my advantages as well, something I'm very open about. Me being a white passing, relatively attractive guy is, is a major benefit to me being able to talk about trans issues in a way that like the actual transphobes or those who are in the margins of, of maybe becoming more transphobic than they actually are can hear. Because when a trans person advocates for their own emancipation, the transphobic people are just going to look at that and go, no, that's a trans person. I don't trust them. Like it's just, that's where the underlying resentment begins to begin with. Bro just threw that attraction. I said relatively. I said relatively. I try to use that privilege that I have for good. I mean, they've seen all the images, but to actually be there and to experience it, you're experiencing all these things which a camera can never capture. So could you just talk a little bit about what stand, when you close your eyes at night, what is it you think about? And yeah, notice how she's not asked to condemn Hamas. Think about that for a second. Why is she not asked to condemn Hamas? Did they ask her to condemn Hamas? Why'd they not ask her to condemn Hamas? Hmm. Something to consider. Living alongside us, there were children with just massive burns down their faces, down their necks, all over their limbs. And because the hospitals are so overwhelmed, they are being discharged immediately after. And they're being discharged to these camps with no access to running water. There's 50,000 people at that camp now in four toilets. They're given two hours of water every 12 hours. There's and four toilets for 50,000 people. Yes. Um, and that's where we were living too. And they have these fresh open burns and wounds and partial amputations that are just walking around these conditions. And parents are bringing their children to us going, please, can you help? Please, can you help? And we have no supplies. We did a calorie count at one point based on our supplies and figured out that if all of us, there's 50 people with us living in a parking lot now, only ate 700 calories a day. If that's all we had, we had two days of food left and that's it and our national staff took off. We had no cell service at that point, so we had no idea what had happened to them. There's bombs going off all around us because there's no safe place in Gaza. Even getting through that Rafa border crossing, what was that like? 
they didn't leave our side for a second. You're um, the national staff. The national because staff. Because they feared for your safety, even at the border crossing. They made sure they were standing between us and desperate people. They made sure that they were talking to every official that they could find, trying to push us through, trying to get us on the bus, trying to get us out. And we're standing there and we're watching these incredible men who have sacrificed everything for us, who have sacrificed time with their families, their own physical safety, their own water supply they were giving to us. And we're watching them fight to get us across the border, knowing that we were not bringing them with us. And they didn't, they didn't waver. Um, Ibrahim was right in the front with our passports, fighting so hard to get us on. And we get to Arish that night and find out his parents are dead. They were losing family members and friends. You, you said if, if it wasn't for your national staff, you think you would have been killed mm -hmm. by people who were just desperate. We either would have starved to death or run out of water. They were the ones that negotiated all of that. They, Gaza's a small city, so everyone knows everyone. And they would call in favors and call their friends and say, who do you know that has food? Who do you know that's open? Where can we get this? And they would drive all over the place to find water. And when we ran out of bottled water in Gaza, they were the ones that were able to figure out that the water truck was coming here at these times. and oh, I know this guy is a grocery store and uh, they still have power sometimes. I think I can probably get something from them. Like we, when I say we would have starved to death without them, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Um, and in the moments of absolute desperation of civilians, they were steadfast and calm and just talked to them and said, these people are also in the same boat that you are. They have no supplies. They also have no food and water. They are also sleeping outside on the concrete and did it in such a, beautiful way that they were able to talk them down with love and kindness. There was no violence in their heart and it calmed everyone around them down as well. Would you go back to Gaza? In a heartbeat. In an absolute heartbeat. Uh, my heart is in Gaza. It will stay in Gaza. The Palestinian people that I worked with, both our national staff in the office as well as my staff at Indonesia Hospital were some of the most incredible people I've ever met in my life. Um, when everything went off um, and we got the notice to move south of Wadi Gaza. It's wild to me that like the entire time Anderson Cooper is like, so you're afraid of the barbaric perverts, right? Like, I mean, like they were doing, I'm sure that they were trying to do mass rapes to you, right? I, I suspect that Hamas, Hamas was trying to do a mass rape on you and everyone who works at Doctors Without Borders, obviously, because they're barbarian freaks, right? That's who you were afraid of. Anyone who goes to Gaza will tell you that they are infinitely more afraid of the IDF than they are of any Palestinian there. It's so stupid. This narrative doesn't make sense when you think about it more than three and a half seconds, okay? The idea that, like, Palestinians are being brutalized ruthlessly by Hamas is not even something that Palestinians can factor in to their equation. You want to know why? Because bombs are dropping on their heads, okay? It's it's stupid. It's a stupid thing to say. And it's almost always said by those who speak for Palestinians by claiming that they care about Palestinian emancipation, who then say Israel is trying to liberate Palestinians from Hamas. The fuck do you mean? I was texting my my nurses at Indonesia Hospital, and I said, we, we lost a nurse weekend one. Um, he was killed when the ambulance outside the hospital was blown up. And I was texting them when we got the evacuation orders. And I said, did any of you move south? Did any of you get out? Like, are any of you coming down this way? And the only answer I got was, this is our community. This is our family. These are our friends. If they're going to kill us, we're going to die saving as many people as we can.
And I said, if I can ever have an ounce. Come on, man. I think he's doing a good job to ask herself to clear up the misconception. Just having her on air is huge. Dude, how, how fucking low is the bar, man? You think she's the first Doctors Without Borders doctor that's white that's like actually come out of Gaza? I can show you 100 doctors that are still currently working or uh, have worked in Gaza. You want to know why I can show you 100 of them? Because I watch Democracy Now! And for years and years, they've been speaking out against the whole headquarters of, of Hamas is under the hospital. No, the major reason why he's doing that is because maybe he can swing it in a direction that's clippable so that liberal Zionists can still turn around and be like, well, see, see, you could totally ask that question in a more reasonable way if you wanted to be like IDF, which has a history of the IDF, which is unfortunately not a very credible actor in this situation, has a history of declaring that uh, Hamas militants are incredibly, incredibly violent towards all foreigners. Is this true from your experience? Like something along those lines, not in the way that you're asking that question in general. The framing of that question, in my opinion, dictates what the, the, the motive motivation the real motivation is the heart that you have i will i will die a happy person they were incredible i would like to send out a reminder that there are civilians seeking shelter there and that my doctors and nurses didn't leave out of loyalty to their community and i know that there is an idea being pushed right now that anyone that stayed behind is going to be considered some kind of a threat and i want to remind people that the people that stayed behind are heroes the people that stayed behind are, are they know they're going to die and they're choosing to stay behind anyway. This also completely goes against the human shield narrative that Israel loves pushing. Understand how important this is to say. There are plenty of Palestinians who simply refuse to leave their homes knowing full well that they might die. And the reason for why they're doing that is not because they want to put their bodies in front of Israeli rocket fire. They just don't want to leave because they know what happens. Their entire history for the past 75 years is literally leaving and then never being able to return. They want to go out on their own terms. And in the most disgusting way, Israel still unconditionally will claim that they are human shields. They're sheltering Hamas militants. Or Hamas is telling them not to evacuate. No, man. Those who want to evacuate get to evacuate. Those who stay behind are not being forced to stay behind at gunpoint. You're talking about doctors, nurses in the hospital. I wake up every morning and I send out a text message and I ask, are you alive? And every night before I go to sleep, I send another message and says, are you alive? Okay. Meanwhile, what are we dealing with in America? In the wake of tens of thousands at this point, dead, Palestinians, many are women, children, and the elderly. Not that it's okay to kill, like, uh, you know, enemy combatant aged men either. Schools have been blown up. Hospitals have been bombed relentlessly. And what are we doing here in America? We're, one, sending more missiles, $325 million worth, because, uh, you know, Israel's supply is diminishing. So we have to give them more missiles missiles. And what are our politicians doing? One, refusing to hear the cries for a ceasefire, the reasonable demands that people are making on the ground. Hundreds of thousands of people all around the country and almost a million people all around uh, the Western world and tens of millions, if you com if you consider the, the Muslim world as well, have taken it to the streets to demand a ceasefire and an end to the occupation. This is a just cause this is moral this is right righteous what are our politicians doing not listening to a single thing what are they doing continuously going la 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 la. i can't hear you shut the fuck up you love hamas you love terrorism you love hamas you love terrorism they're also working to censure the one 
Palestinian congresswoman. We're not even hiding the racism. The Republicans turned around and put forward a bill that was never going to pass anyway, but it was still, it had 10 co-authors or 10 co-sponsors that would bar Palestinian immigration into the country immediately. Immediately. They were like, no, I'm, I'm representative Zinke and I love being racist. Like, shut the f*** up, bitch. Nobody wants to go to Montana. Suck my cock. Here's what Representative Rashida Tlaib had to say. One of the bravest congresspersons. I can't believe I have to say this, but Palestinian people are not disposable. We are human beings. Just like anyone else. My city... My grandmother, like all Palestinians, just wants to live her life with freedom and human dignity we all deserve. Speaking up to save lives, Mr. Chair, no matter faith, no matter ethnicity, should not be controversial in this chamber. The cries of the Palestinian and, ch Palestinian and Israeli children sound no different to me. Why? What? I don't understand is why the cries of Palestinians sound different to you all. 71% of Michigan Democrats support a ceasefire. So you can try to censor me, but you can't silence their voices. I urge my colleagues to join with the majority of Americans and support a ceasefire now to save as many lives as possible. President Biden must listen to and represent all of us, not just some of us. I urge the president to have the courage to call for a ceasefire in the end of killings it's crazy that like you i mean this is something i talk about quite a lot in a broader context specifically about white supremacy from the perspective of of black people arguing for their own humanity both historically and in contemporary american society like you have to sit there if you are not white if you are from uh if you're from a background that has been historically considered an enemy combatant you have to sit there in a room full of old white dudes and describe that you are a human being after all and that your family members are also human beings and that they don't deserve the cruelty. As a product of the No Child Left Behind Act, I know that Islam is the root of all evil and the only path for democracy is nuking Gaza. Yeah, exactly. It's great, man. Did she just call for every Israeli to be killed? Or am I crazy? Yeah, that's definitely what she said. That's what she said. It was crazy when she definitely said those words. Oh, here's this piece of shit. I don't even want to call it the Palestinian flag because... They're not a state, they're a territory that's about to probably get eviscerated and go away here short. Like, there's no equivalence, man. There is no equivalence. Like, it's so f glaringly obvious, dude. You can say whatever the f*** you want. You can say whatever the f*** you want about Palestinians, no matter how bloodthirsty it is. I've told you this since that faithful evening of 8-21-2019. If you say America deserved 9-11, you will get f owned. You'll get banned. People will f carry that for the rest of their lives even if what you're saying is completely valid and understood by now in the 20th uh, anniversary after the 20th anniversary of, of america's invasion and and you know all of our actions all of our subsequent uh, actions in afghanistan iraq the war on terror understood by pretty much everyone that uh this was blowback you will get yelled at non-stop people will still to this day people still say uh the hassan's takes were unacceptable whatever he's the american deserved 9-11 guy he loves terrorism but if you turn around and say you know we should nuke iran nobody's gonna think about it twice you might even get elevated to a position of power in american politics i fought three times in iraq and afghanistan this this nation spent 20 years at war 
spent over $3 trillion to destroy al-Qaeda, to destroy ISIS, and yet those organizations still exist. So the lesson drawn from that is that you cannot destroy a, a terrorist ideology with military means alone. You have to have politics, you have to have diplomacy, you have to have humanitarian aid, because you can kill a terrorist, but if you destroy or kill innocent civilians, you create more terrorists in the process. Yes. So that is why I am adamant that to support Israel, to do this the right way, we have to put front and center the protection of civilians. Yeah, 100%. There is no ending an idea, especially when you're in the wrong. That's the other thing. Israel is in the wrong. America was in the wrong in Afghanistan and in Iraq. So that only created a just cause. It not only created an environment perfectly susceptible for a ton of people to fight for emancipation, a ton of people to fight against the occupation, which then became increasingly more radicalized. But you also, you never really address any of these issues. You, you make things so much worse. You create an environment where you have moral permission for the most reactionary elements in a society to have moral permission to become the emancipatory factors. Were the U.S. wrong in Nam? Yes. They were wrong in the Korean War too. Yes, of course. Of course. Yes. America has been in the wrong whether it's their actual motivations or whether it's their direct actions. Since World War II, they did World War II and then they were like, we're riding the wave, dog. Now it's time to fight the real villains. Socialism, communism. And they did it by selling every action by pointing to World War II. America was so in the wrong in Korea that it's considered the forgotten war. We don't even talk about it every single time though our enemies even if they are state actors themselves or are being pushed by state actors from our foreign adversaries they're always terrorists they're always terrorists the guys that we arm fascist militias for example who literally are terrorists against other states that have committed the egregious act of uh, democratically electing someone who wants to nationalize his extraction industry or democratically elected someone who wants to ensure that uh, you know they have some social programs or whatever the most egregious crime of doing such things democratically means that America is going to go to your country and arm the worst most psychotic fascist blood thirsty right-wing elements and violently take control over your country.